Hey, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, wherever you are. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you all again today. Another lovely day in Boston, the land of wicked good conversation. Uh, Fritz, I promise I'll never say that again. But today we've got a real treat for you. We're speaking with Jay Custard. Jay is the, excuse me, currently the Chief Digital Officer for Corbin. Uh, he spent years overseeing the customer experience as both a consultant and leader for major brands like Cabela's, Finish Line, and Crocs. Uh, and Corbin, for those of you unaware, uh, addressed a pain that many of us didn't know there could be a solution to, in my eyes. Uh, Greg Lambrecht, uh, like me, I might add, this is a real personal pain, uh, was stuck having to drink an entire bottle of wine. Uh, maybe not always a problem, but when his wife got pregnant with his first child, he, he was trying to find a way uh, to invent a, a tool or system to remove that problem and without spoiling and oxidizing the wine. Hence, Corvin was born in 2011. Uh, so Corvin has seen strong growth year over year since its founding. Uh, and as I mentioned, provides the perfect gift for any wine drinker. But today we're going to speak with uh, Chief Digital Officer Jay Custard on improving and becoming more efficient with your customer experience. Uh, so it's my pleasure to have Jay here. Uh, Jay, how are you today? Doing really well. Good to see you, my friend. Yeah, great to see you as well. Uh, Jay's out in beautiful Colorado. So for everyone who's a little jealous of uh, the life that these people get to live, this is your time to vent and rant on uh, comments. <laughs> easy, yeah. easy. No, nice it's, uh, it's a good place. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Thanks for, and what a wonderful introduction. I'm glad that you did it such an eloquent way. I did not want to, uh, you know, misserve Mr. Lambrick's vision. So well done, my friend. Well, it was uh, something I, I went through uh, personally. I <laughs> experience, but, uh, it, it made sense to me. And it's, a, it's a great thing to have tackled uh, to prevent us all from finishing that bottle of wine and you don't need to. Um, Jay, so uh, before we dive into today's topic, how have you been staying engaged? What have you been learning what have you been focused on the past 12 months now of isolation? Yeah, it's been really interesting, right? I think we all found ourselves a little upended. Uh, I think the usual pursuits of, of how I used to stay connected, I used to enjoy really reading, but I think with all the uncertainty in the world of, you know, kind of having our worlds upended, it became really hard for me to sit and read, right? There was just too much background noise. So for me, I would say the theme has been really audio, right? I've really gone deep into a lot of podcasts and really like that from the sense of being active, being outside, and then being able to kind of take that knowledge with you in a lot of ways. So you know, there's some can't misses for me on a weekly basis. Anything that, you know, Scott Galloway puts out, I listen to either that's Pivot with Kara Swisher or his Prof G series. Those are huge. Uh, there's a learning community that I've still kind of spent a lot of time and more in short form, right? Still reading, but it's the Knowledge Project. It's uh, out of Toronto. A guy named Shane Parrish put this together. So fantastic stuff there, which has kind of taken me down this path of, of you know, in uncertain times, I found less kind of uh solace and escapism, right? I didn't, I mean, I watched Tiger King like everybody else, but I kind of went back to basics, right? I went back to this whole concept of like mental models and how do we make decisions and, and how do we kind of think about the fabric that holds us all together when some of those things are challenged and right. spent a lot of time with that, right? Some of the Charlie Munger stuff and then really kind of dipping into this whole concept of mental models and biases and things like that, which, you know, at, at its root, it's kind of helpful for me to understand how we operate day to day. But I think yeah. it's even more applicable to when we start to think about our consumers, right? And people that we're dealing with and the people that we're still trying to convince to buy a wine preservation system, like their worlds are upended, right? And all of our models don't make sense any longer. So, so how do you get back to basics? So it's, it's been interesting, but you know, I think a lot of 
advantages of Colorado are you can get outside. It's a lot of sunshine here. So certainly taking advantage of that to stay active and then, you know, finding those short form pieces to read and just challenge yourself. So it's, it's been a year of discovery for sure. I think for all of us. Wow. You say a tiger King and uh, <laughs> I really feel like it must've been a different pandemic. Was that the 1918 Spanish flu that, that we were going right. through? Right. It's a million years ago, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it seems like there was nothing but Tiger King and puzzles and Magnum PI reruns in mm -hmm. my house for a while. And now I think back on that, I'm like, God, it seems like 10, 15 years ago, right? Yeah. It doesn't feel like the same pandemic, right? Not at all. Not uh, at all. So Jay, as a leader, as I mentioned, Crocs, Cabela's and these other brands and a consultant, uh, I wanted to get into your mind. Tell us a little bit about a memorable experience you've had as a consumer. Yeah, there's been a few lately that have kind of just jumped off the page, right? I think we get jaded sometimes, right? Because we know kind of how everything is wired together on the back end. And we're always, you know, easy to look at the big exemplars in the space. But I always like it when something shocks me. And there's been a few lately. I've really, really grown to love ShopPay. Um, I think during the course of the pandemic, you know, you kind of expand, started to buy some more things that maybe you weren't going to buy before. But the way Shopify has integrated that, I think it was Arrive yeah. and then what the old Shopify payments was, the way they've combined that and the way that's so seamlessly integrated for their sellers, that's a fantastic experience all the way through from checkout, all the way through watching that hit your doorstep. Like that one's fantastic to me. Um, had an incredible experience recently with, with Huckberry. They, they've partnered with a company called Happy Returns. And we all know, given the propensity of all the online shopping, reverse logistics are a pain, there's more of this, but I mean, and those guys are just, there's textbooks can be written on the way they do things from a customer engagement perspective. But this Happy Returns new offering, I was something new to me, dead simple in terms of, I don't want this product anymore. I made a mistake. And it's so simple to get rid of it without having to worry about standing in line at a post office with COVID restrictions or finding a drop off, things like that. So those are kind of the big ones. But what I was most kind of impressed with was even at the local level, right? When things went sideways in March, to see local restaurants go on life support almost, right? But then right. to find the lowly QR code and have it have its day in the sun again and watch kind of in these constraints, local local yeah. restaurants and places that don't have big technology stacks or IT departments, figuring out how to make it work and make it seamless. And I think that scarcity and that lack of resource, I mean, that's always the necessity for creativity, right? And getting to innovation because they distill it down to what's important. So there's a local taco place by my house that I love. The fact that I can get takeaway margaritas now is fantastic. But at the same time, the way they use what they had at their disposal through, I think they were using maybe Toast or Squares, like their you know mobile POS. And the way they just kind of manipulate it to make it work in a world that they never saw coming, like that's really cool to me to see that when you don't have un unlimited budgets and you don't have teams and you don't have access, but to get it done, and, and right. that, that's pretty cool to me. Yeah, I think uh, everyone knows where they were the first time they scanned a QR code and had a <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, I remember. I'm old enough to remember when those were like being broadcast on you know big billboards in Times Square 10, 15 years ago, and this was going to change everything. This was experimental marketing, and it was going to be fantastic. And then it just, but it's back, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever want to go to a restaurant again without scanning a menu with my QR code yeah, and well, being able to control my experience. Like I think it's fantastic. Right. Why would you want to touch that uh, old cheese stained menu anyway? From the right, right. Well, and it elevates the servers to, to doing more, which is to creating an experience and doing more of a high value, high touch type stuff. So I just love the fact that we've kind of, you know, accelerated some of this behavior, but brought back some things that were just simplistic. And right. you know, I think the creativity through this is just super cool. And it's inspiring to me, right? It helps me think through every day, like, how do we get better, right? How do we make things better for our customers? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you learned anything new about yourself? To the pandemic in terms of the way that you shop or uh, do the transformation, what's new with Jay Custard? 
pretty opportunistic, right? I think, um, you know, being, and I'll be honest, right? There's, there's part of me that would, I can't go anywhere, right? So I'm not going out. I'm not doing anything. I'm not traveling like I used to. It was, uh, I found myself being much more uh, Im impulsive, right? Mm. If the right, if the right fake Instagram ad hit me and it was something cool and it felt like it filled a hole or, you know, was going to, you know, experience some additional time and, you know, make the days go by faster and, you know, something like that. I was really quick to, to kind of jump on that and explore different brands. So kind of broke out of the regular paradigm of, you know, how I'll go to Amazon first for this or, you know, have these things on subscription. What I did learn is I do not like online grocery ordering. Like still, even though that was almost a necessity for a while, I don't think I'll ever do that. And I don't know why. I can't get through it. I hate it. Everybody yeah. else loves it. I see all the Instacart and ship trucks showing up to all my neighbors and I just can't stand it. So I don't know. It's a weird thing to kind of figure out where I wanted to place my digital bets and shop and things that I still wouldn't really to put a K95 mask on and go risk to pick out my own produce. Right. Uh, uh, I am on the other side. So I will yeah. uh not having to go in the store anymore and my wife is just ordering before we get there. Sure. Great. No, totally get it. I just can't get through it. I don't know. I have mental block. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get to the meat of the discussion today. Yeah. Uh, Jay, before we dive in, tell me a little bit about the mission of the Corvin customer experience. Yeah, it starts really with our main mission, right? And you kind of started to articulate a little bit. Our mission at Corvin is, is really to change the way the world experiences wine. And so that started out really kind of in the preservation space, right? So not having to pull a cork, being able to put a needle through a bottle, uh, mm -hmm. inject it with argon gas and preserve wine almost indefinitely, right? And the first glass is always as good as the last, um, or the last glass is always good first. I should let you do this. Mm -hmm. um, but so then we try to take that down, right? Because there's a lot. Experience is a big word. Like, so what does that mean? Like, what do our customers really need? So, you know, our mission right now, I think, is on kind of this continuum of we were very, very retail driven, right? We wanted shelf space. We really wanted to land and expand and really kind of let our retail partners really take over the kind of, you know, the, the end game of owning the consumer and really driving through and getting this into as many people's mm -hmm. hands as possible, convincing the world they, they needed this product. Right. Well, we've really moved now into this world where we really have to understand these customers, no matter where they're coming in. Um, so we've made a concerted effort to get much closer to the consumer to go mm -hmm. direct as most brands that you know want to have a future need to do. So our mission is really an extension of that right now. We're, I would say we're kind of in learn mode. Right. So okay. what does it really mean for to experience the way the world or to experience wine differently? What does that mean? How do we play into that? Right. Without injecting friction. Because this is not a natural activity. Most people buy a bottle of wine, they open said bottle of wine, and they go ahead and have, you know, have that to their disposal, right? And, you know, possibly you fail out and you need VacuVent or one of those preservers to kind of help you get through a couple more days. So, you know, there's a lot we still don't know in terms of what really drives the consumer, what really kind of motivates them, and that just around the core abuse of the product. But then what does that extension look like? right? Argon gas and our product is not the consumable, right? Wine is the consumable. That's the part that enhances and people build memories around. So our goal now in digital in particular is how do we get closer to understanding what's really important? What do they need from us in order to really kind of understand or to really enhance that, that wine drinking experience? Mm. Uh, and what did this digital transformation in 2020 look like for Corvin? Obviously so many companies have a pivot and change. Yeah. Uh, what was it like for you folks? Uh, hard um, yeah. and a, a lot of heavy lifting. So last year was very much a foundational year. So mm -hmm. we, uh, I started in July of last year. So I've, I work with some really, really smart folks. Uh, Francois Sylvain, our director of our 
VP of IT really started this project. Mm -hmm. So we made the concerted effort last year in April to start a, a, to go headless, right? Because we knew that we needed to unify customer experiences no matter what the channel. So it was a year of real transformation from us, right? Mm -hmm. So it was about decoupling our Magento backend from the front end experience and then finding a good partner in my planet to help us really build some experiences that we knew not only would satisfy what we saw as the changing behavior globally in all the markets that we operate in, Right. But really where we wanted to go for the future, right? Because, you know, it's not limited to, you know, the four walls of a website, if you will. We, we're anticipating a lot of transactions and events uh, through our B2B space, through our apps, through things that we haven't thought through yet because we're on this journey to discover. So last year was very foundational in providing the infrastructure and the baseline for us to then, you know, start being able to build experiences that we think will help our customers uh, understand this product better, as well as just enhance their lives. Yeah, and um, of course, uh, one of the things I've talked to you about in the past is I know this to be the case for Corvin, uh, just for my own, my, my, uh, my family's buying habits, uh, this is the perfect Christmas gift. This is the perfect is. To pass away. Right. Uh, how have we been able to scale with this big uh, rush to Corvin.com at these peak periods? Yeah, well, we saw the rush start about in April last year, right? Because that's when people right. became locked down. And we're still, so we saw almost, you know, holiday level traffic show up in months that were predominantly very quiet. So we had to react pretty quickly to this. Yeah. Um, and that often doesn't allow you to learn a lot, right? So we were learning on the fly. We were replatforming underneath and really trying to keep up with it. And so that's why tools that we brought on board, like iAdvice, things like that, that get us closer to the customer so we can take some of the guesswork out of this and be efficient on the back end because the volumes were, we were not something that we were prepared for. Right. Uh, we were, you know, the digital function within Corbin was, was kind of a by committee type thing, right? It was shared across a lot of different services. It was uh, really kind of a, a function that didn't have a home necessarily. Mm. So we were really diving into it. And then imagine the crush of Christmas, to your point, um, the majority of our business is done during that, you know, like a lot of people during Turkey Five and then on into you know, the rest of, of December. So mm. we need tools that help us scale and scale quickly, right? And not put in a lot of burden and, and you know, back end requirements and new training because we're just a lean company, right, on the digital side. So um, it was difficult in a lot of ways. We didn't launch the website until the first part of November, right, which is why I have bags under my eyes and gray hair. Like, you don't do that in e-commerce, but, but we yeah, had to make that choice, right? <laughs> so we did it, uh, and we made it. And, and, you know, that was basically we a lot of it was gut, you know, just get through it, manually work through what we had to. But, you know, being able to to have pop a chat window to really kind of help people get through that last little hurdle to ask that last little bit of question, have our reps be able to manage the multiple ones of those. That was incredibly important because we just saw volume like we had never seen before. Ah, that's great. Um, yeah, of course, the concept of scaling, that's that was the key uh, pivot point for a lot of brands last year when. Yeah. You know, of course, uh, the website, this is your new face, your brand for many brands today. Uh, those are the brick and mortar that were struggling to keep up, uh, had to pivot quickly. But uh, yeah, Corvin is a nice success story in the capacity to scale every single day, like holiday rush starting in April. That's wild. Yeah. And globally, right? Because we operate in, you know, both Europe and the APAC region. So, you know, trying to find and, you know, part of going headless and probably consolidating this was, you know, really to have tools that we could extend globally um, and, and do this with a with a small team, right? We want to invest in 
in local teams that know the markets and build experiences rather than building, you know, big teams that have to kind of support massive infrastructure or having, mm-hmm. you know, a separate web component for, you know, our European business or something that has to be completely different for our, you know, Australia business. So, you know, again, we look for tools that help us not only get closer and understand the customer or give us viable feedback, but then allow us to, to, to look really, really big to our customers when there's not a whole lot of folks on the back end. All right. Uh, that's great. The classic peacocking in customer service, right? Yeah. Take it till you make it, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any, uh, real examples from the customer service side, uh, things that, you know, anecdotes and stories that you'd like to share? Yeah, we get a lot of, um, I mean, we are pretty gift heavy, right? And I think that a lot of people were really being introduced to this brand, new people coming into it. And, you know, our customer care folks who we're making a consolidated effort to, to bring them into our user experience practice holistically, right? I think oftentimes customer care is kind of thought of as a, a catch-all or a necessary evil, right? To kind of handle complaints and things like that. So, you know, we're trying to feed those back in. And a lot of what we saw were just some of the verbatims that came through you know, after a, uh, after a successful chat or, you know, some of the metrics that we would pull out of that. But, you know, what we heard roundly was get me closer to someone, right? I don't need a full on wait through an IVR to get to a phone call. Get me closer, right? Get me closer. I just need a little bit of a, a little bit of a push nudge over the edge. So we saw a lot of that happen when we would see people kind of wandering between different models and having, because our product line is a little difficult to understand from the average consumer, right? And they all fundamentally do the same thing, but there's some nuance with each of them. So we saw a lot of our chats and a lot of just responses to, to consumers in real time, just to help them make that one little decision around, you know, the model three versus the model five or the model six, right? Which also mean a whole lot to the consumers. So, uh, and then what was more important to me, right? I think of, our customer team as is both a customer that I have to serve, right? So do they have the right tools? Do they have the right investment? Do they have the right processes? And, you know, roundabout what we heard was if this is super efficient, I can do four or five of these at a time. They're, they're, they're super simple. They're not intrusive. I can make this work. So, you know, give me more of that, right? Things that work both from a customer perspective, as well as our internal teams and making them more efficient. Like that's, those are, those are real. And that happened a ton during holiday, right? Having trouble in checkout. How do I do this? I'm getting a new error. Because again, launch a new website in November, there's all kinds of little gremlins that you don't associate with. And some of our error handling wasn't perfect. So it's nice to be able to have someone in real time being able to help troubleshoot those things. And then as well as feed that back into our IT team for us to to kind of trace those things down. Yeah, that human touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And it's conversational. I mean, we've all grown so used to, you know, staring at our phones and you know, I don't call anyone anymore. I'm sure most of us don't, right? We live in Slack. We live, you know, via text message and that's how we stay communicating, right? And so why not provide simple tools for our customers to, to not have to go outside their normal communication paradigm, right. but get them as close to what's normal for them. I mean, that's that's a relationship and that's that becomes less frictionless, right? Yeah. Or less, more, less, it becomes more frictionless, sorry. Yeah. Um, there's a, a certain almost responsibility I now feel when I get an inbound call. Right. It's like, uh, right. Because right. it's not right. how we prefer to operate anymore. <laughs> it's weird. Right. Uh, so uh, I'm almost done bothering you, Jay. Thank you so much for the time. This is great. Enjoy it. Um, the plans for 2021. What is it looking like for Corbin this year? Yeah, I would roughly say we, we were in build mode, right? Foundation mode last year. Yeah. Um, now it's about run the business, right? So it's how do we actually take this foundation that we've been given and how do we get. Cr- 
smart, right? I, you know, we, we're, these things are always a work in the progress. All I see right now are all the things that we didn't do well or the things that we can provide better service mm-hmm. around. Uh, but we're making a concerted effort to grow our customer experience group internally mm-hmm. um, and realign, right? Customer experience or the customer care team now rolls up through me uh, by design so that mm-hmm. it's closer to the consumer group as we bring on designers and UX folks and really kind of put this at the forefront of what we do uh, we need these teams working in harmony, right? These can't be uh, basic feedback where we get production metrics from customer care and we're looking at dispensation of these types of calls and things. It's It's got to be a holistic view, right? So mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of, uh, of updates coming, right? We're going to start really getting into more of a test and learn capacity. And a lot of that is very much designed off of the feedback we're getting. Um, I heard a great quote one time that, you know, no innovation uh, in the history of the world has been proven in advanced analytically. Right. I think in times of struggle, right, companies want to go back to where are we making our biggest bet? Give me the number. Give me the spreadsheet. Tell me that this is going to pencil. I don't think in the world of customer service that makes sense. So I think we're going to start spending our time really getting close to as much as we can around customer segments and cohorting to understand what do they really need from us now that COVID is going to kind of pass what's going to happen? Like behaviors are going to change again and models that we've relied on for years and years and years are not applicable any longer. So we've got to recreate those on the fly. We have to be more responsive. I feel like we have the foundation and technology to do that. Now it becomes putting it in practice and, mm. and really understanding the consumer, not just you know from the, from the explicit, right? Question surveys, clickstream data, but more the implicit. Like what, do we, what should we glean and gather from you know, some of the things that are happening from a behavioral piece. And, and a lot of that will be, you know, understanding the the way we're seeing people communicate, right? I want to start grabbing all the ways that, you know, our reviews come in or the ways that our, our chat or our emails and, and understanding maybe some, you know, natural language processing over that. How are they talking about us? What are the themes right. that keep coming up, right? So that we can really get deeper and deeper into, you know, the mindset of this consumer because that's our path home. Yeah, that's a, that was an excellent summary. That's a, you got a good head on your shoulders, Jay. It looks like you guys are headed in the right direction, huh? You, you want to come help? Because we got way too much to do, my man. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I, I know, uh, of course, you're extremely busy in your role, and you're just you know, kind of coming up to the year mark in the coming months. Uh, so it was an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you for coming on. Ah, it was my pleasure. Really appreciate the partnership and uh, look forward to the to the road ahead. So thanks again. Appreciate you having me. Is another point of contact to give a hard time, of course, right? Perfect. Always yeah. good. Nice to talk. <laughs> you- uh, be sure to head to Corvin.com. Uh, you know, for those of you who are looking to not consume an entire bottle of wine and just want the glass, uh, maybe that's not a problem for some of you. Uh, but of course, check out Corvin.com. They've got some excellent products to avoid spoiling your bottle of wine. Uh, and of course, uh, as always, join us next week. We'll be talking at 3 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday with Jean Bliss, a reschedule. Uh, but to be fair, she's uh, arguably the busiest woman alive these days. So uh, we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Thanks again to Jay Custard and the entire Corvin team. Uh, it was a pleasure to have him on.